Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 262. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy and co-founder of Lend at Fintech. Today's episode is sponsored by Lend at Fintech USA. The world's largest fintech event dedicated to lending and digital banking is going virtual. It's happening online September 29th through October 1st. This year, with everything that's been going on, there will be so much to talk about. It will likely be our most important show ever. So join the fintech community online this year, where you will meet the people who matter, learn from the experts, and get business done. Lend at Fintech, lending and banking connected. Sign up today at lendit.com slash USA. Today on the show, I am delighted to welcome Jack Alton. He is the CEO of NeuroID. Now, NeuroID is one of the most fascinating companies in fintech right now, in my opinion. They have a very unique product. They call themselves Human Analytics for the Digital World, and we get into we get into exactly what that means. But basically, they're able to detect real-time fraud and reduce friction for really for any any company operating online, but they've really focused uh, on the fintech space and particularly in the unsecured consumer lending space. And it's uh, it really is a uh, you know as Jack, Jack will describe the company and uh, describe the offering uh, in some detail. And we we get into all kinds of different examples, but uh, I, I think you know what they've been able to do, and they've got lots of patents on this, is provide insight where there was none or where there was limited insight. And uh, this is something that you know chief risk officers, chief marketing officers are, are crying out for, and even today with uh, reduced originations. Everyone wants zero fraud and a perfect kind of customer journey, but that's uh, that's really what NeuroID is is all about, and we, and we get into this in some detail. It was a fascinating interview. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Jack. Well, thank you, Peter. Greetings from big sky country up here in Montana. Yeah, so I got to ask you. I know this is a podcast, but we, but um, maybe with maybe this will entice people to go to YouTube. And you can, uh, you've got a great background uh, there, a great Zoom background that is is pretty spectacular. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually our family farm. The big reason we moved back uh, to Montana to raise our kids here and and try to keep doing technology things where we wanted to live. And, and that picture is actually this morning. I was on a walk and um, the sunrise was so amazing that I stopped and took a couple pictures and I thought this would be a great way to share it with everybody else. But uh, even after growing up here and being five generations from Montana, when you wake up to a site like that, it's, uh, it's hard not to stop and take a picture. That is that is uh, spectacular, spectacular indeed. So, go to YouTube; you'll be able to see it there, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get started by basically giving giving the listeners a little bit of background. Tell us, you know, what you did before NeuroID. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in in Montana. My wife and I both went to college here, and then we moved down to Austin, Texas, and uh, I got involved in several VC backed companies. I was involved with the company that invented Wi Fi. Uh, which was later on sold to AT&T. So that was super exciting. And then moved back, wanted to take all that experience that I had in Texas and apply it here in Montana. And so NeuroID is the third company that uh, I've done since I returned home here about 12 years ago. And it's been super cool to be able to demonstrate that you can live, kind of work and play where you want. And uh, COVID has has really punched that out more than ever. I think. Um, 
our population here in Montana has probably tripled in the last five months. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's, that's funny because uh, you can, you can uh, live any way you want these days if you're just doing Zoom calls. So, so yeah, maybe let's, let's just get, talk about uh, NeuroID and, and what you guys do. I know you like, you've, you've got this tagline on your website, human analytics for the digital world. So let's just dig into that and tell us what, what you guys do. Yeah, it's been super fun. It's a, it's a cool story of, you know, kind of research and scientific discovery and patented technology all coming together to, uh, to solve a really big need we have right now. You know, the lots of scientific research shows that if we're in person, our own AI that we have in our head and in our eyes and in our ears that allows us to make really accurate judgments on trustworthiness and confidence and frustration. But when we moved online, all of that was lost. So our two founders who have over 30,000 Google Scholar citations in the field of human-computer interactions, they're literally the leaders in the world, they had this question. They said, what if we could digitally communicate the way we used to uh, when we were in person? And that kicked off a bunch of research across several universities. And um, in 2015, the company was founded. And then in 2017, after they had proven that this technology, literally how we tap, type, and swipe, could be used to understand um, your intent, to understand your identity, to really facilitate companies and customers online communicating better, uh, they decided they wanted to take it to market. So that's when I came in as a CEO of the company and started pulling a team together raising a couple of rounds of capital, and now 60 million customer journeys later, we're quickly being adopted by leading fintechs, insurance companies, and merchant acquirers as they realize what's missing is the human analytics. These human exchanges that we have when we are in person are, are gone when we move online. So that's what we're doing is we, we install our JavaScript, and literally like a light being turned on, they can all of a sudden realize where is the friction in my current process and where is the fraud that I can't see today in historical data. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so maybe let's, let's talk about that and talk about the, the online customer journey that, uh, you know, every, every uh, you know, e-commerce company or any, any, anyone who's doing commerce online wants to optimize that. So what's, what are some of the things that you've seen that is really, that's bad about customer journeys today? Yeah, I think that the thing that was most shocking to us, I think if you dig deep or you talk to the analyst community, you'll see the, the ugly truth behind our digital transformation so far 15 years into it is that we've stalled out. We've tried to take the friction out of a customer journey, but we, we get to that same point where we may have made our offer selection process easy and your purpose of your loan or your credit card. But then we go to the, to the chief risk officer and he or she has a really difficult task of determining of these 95 people that are or 100 people that are coming through, who are my 95 customers that have, you know, a legitimate intent? They are who they say they are and their intent is good. And then who are the five that are disguised as good customers, but really are fraudsters? And because we haven't had access until now to these in-session behaviors, the, you know, kind of what's going on as they're filling out or interacting with your brand online, they've been forced to make all those decisions on historical data alone. So they're looking at your FICO score. They're looking at your past credit performance. They're looking at all kinds of historical data and they're trying to predict something in the future. And and the gap that we're filling is 
they still use all that historical data, but now we're giving them a real-time view into how did that customer journey unfold and where are the sticking points? And, and that's really been the, the big game changer for everybody. Right, right. So I'm curious because this, what you just said there is, is applicable to just pretty much any industry that's, that's operating online. And uh, I'm curious about why you decided one of your first, I mean, you did mention insurance and merchant acquiring, but why yeah. focus on online lending as, as one of sort of the first places to go? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. You know, we had, we had patented the technology and validated it, you know, in the lab and through research, but we really hadn't commercialized it, used it in the wild. And what we found in unsecured consumer lending specifically is massive data sets, sophisticated data science teams, and teams and organizations that were really trying to figure out how do I improve my customer experience and how do I also detect fraud? And they really work hand in hand. What we found is that if you could see your fraudulent customers better uh, and be more sure about that, you could start to kind of release some of the pressure that you're putting on your, your best customers. So it allowed them to, to really start to differentiate and see those good behaviors versus those fraudulent behaviors. And unsecured lending was a, just a, a great space for them to share those outcomes for us, for us to train all of our models. And then once we were able to train those models to these behaviors, uh, we we're able to move it from vertical to vertical after that. Right, right. Okay. Okay. So I, I want to sort of get into, I'd love to get a, a real life example. I mean, when we, you know, you did a session on Lender Fintech Digital a little while back and, and did a great, uh, a great kind of visual run through of, of how, how this works. So maybe with, with just in the audio kind of uh, environment, maybe you can show us, demonstrate as best as you can you know, how a real life example of a customer journey and how it looks after you've implemented new OID. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's literally, our customers have said things like, it's like you turned a light on. I can't believe how blind we were before. You know, once someone sees the demonstration of our technology, one of the things we've heard is, you know, I was literally taking just the last answer that the customer input. Now, if we were sitting across a table from one another and I asked you for your social security number and you wrote it down and then you left and you came back and you changed it four or five times, that would, that would make me ask additional <laughs> questions. Today, we're blind to that when we're just looking backwards to predict the future. And so when we, when we talk about the customer journey, there's, there's always been big blind spots on key fields that are really important if you're going to be optimizing experience or you're going to be trying to detect fraud. The really two camps we look at are third-party fraud, so identity-based fraud. How familiar is Peter with the information that he's putting in, right? We get very familiar with how we put in our first and last name. Our, our date of birth, our social security, those are things that, that should come literally to the tips of our fingers, whether we're using a touch or a mobile device. Shouldn't see a lot of manipulation in that. That's something we're asked for on a, on a common basis. So our algorithm is looking for anomalous behavior on, on that perspective. The other area that, that we've come into, and it's, it's part of our name, you know, if you think of the ID portion of our name, a lot of people think it's for identification, but really it's for intent detect. The technology can also start digging into difficult forms of fraud, like first party fraud, where there's an intent uh, to fraud someone. And in the past, this has been a really difficult field. And it was one of the things that was very encouraging to us when we first took our technology to unsecured consumer lenders. They said, 
you guys are picking up on family fraud that we've never been able to pick up on. They have the credentials. They may live in the same address, but it is not that person that is trying to get a loan. So the two areas that, that we're really using it to improve the customer journey are to answer that first question, is Peter who he says he is, the ID, that identification question, the third-party fraud question, but also to look at in an environment post-COVID as an example, if we ask, are you currently employed, and we had 20% unemployment rates, those are things that really had people pulling back on issuing loans because they just couldn't get comfortable with what the current state was. And that's what we're giving visibility into. Right, right. So let's just dig into that a little bit because uh, when, when you did a demo for me months and months ago, I, I was blown away because you could see in real time. And you, you also said that you could see when like you said in, there was an intent to be fraudulent and there's, and like you somehow you have these profiles that, uh, you know, of a, normal, a normal person. I mean, obviously everyone has their own typing style and, and, and you, you really get granular with this, like how someone is typing in a field and whether and you can tell with, with a lot of accuracy whether this is a human or a bot yep. because, I mean, bots can try and imitate humans, but you said you, you, can, you can pretty much figure that out. So tell us a little bit about that technology. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great, uh, the analogy we use is, is in person, we have body language that we're exchanging, even when we're on this Zoom call. Uh, when we move online, you're also portraying or projecting a digital body language as you move through. And if you're moving through an application process and or an interaction and you're confident and it is you and you are who you say you are and your intent is good, your digital body language will reflect that. When we see machine type behavior or bot behavior, the fact of the matter is it's pretty much impossible, almost impossible to replicate human behavior because we're all different. But what our technology uniquely does is we're able to baseline you against you and then you against the journey that you're on. So it allows us to be able to really understand that digital body language, what's consistent and what is inconsistent. So what when you say you against you, you mean you, you are... You, you put you build a profile like as someone's as someone's typing in their first name is that what you're doing I mean how what is it you against you what do you mean yeah from from the moment uh, you as an anonymous customer we collect no PII from the moment someone arrives on a mobile or a cursor device our algorithm starts baselining their movements and looking at how you answer questions and comparing them to how you answer other questions so if you're looking at it through a fraud lens if we're asked a risk relevant question like do you foresee a change in your income or your ability to pay back a loan? And you first answer, no, I don't. And then you change it to, yes, I do. And then you go back to, no, I don't, because you realize you probably won't get the loan. That's behavior that our customers have no access to today, that if we were in person would cause you to probably ask a few more questions. Right, right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So obviously, what people get is the end result, which is someone says no. And that's, exactly. that's all you know. And you don't know yeah. whether they've gone back and forth. And I remember one of those things you said, there was like one of the things in the demo, you had like a social security number that was edited like 34 times. And so- yeah, that's when, when people see that, you know, that's when the light bulb really goes off. And there's, there's both an intuitive use of our technology and then a data science use of our technology. Fraud and risk teams are really good at spotting fraud and risk. They just haven't had the visibility that they used to have in person to be able to do that. And conversely, 
marketing and CX terms, uh, teams are really good at, at seeing their best customers. Again, they've just been operating kind of in a dark vacuum and haven't been able to personalize that experience as, all, uh, as they're going through the journey. Right. So there's, there's certainly, I, I can see the application there, but I want to also talk about the friction in the process because, you know, every, like particularly pre-COVID, every online lender wanted to make a frictionless process or as frictionless as possible. Some have now introduced friction because their volumes are down so far. But regardless, so let's assume that, you know, we, we're back to a normal, a normal state of the economy and people want to maintain it frictionless. What, what one thing that was fascinating when I saw is that you can you can tell not just sort of the page that someone left on, but the actual field. So you can say, right, it's it's date of birth or it's you know it's income or whatever. This is a thing that's saying people get to there and then they quit. So tell us a Absolutely. bit about 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 that. So the, the friction piece. Yeah, yeah. So the the product that we have is called the Friction Index Dashboard. And what we realized is that everybody's trying to, to deliver the best experience possible, but no one's really scientifically measured friction. They've never quantified it to know where am I starting from and, and where am I going? It's only been measured really through conversion, uh, which doesn't really tell the whole story and, and frankly hasn't been, been moved a bunch in the last decade. So the friction index dashboard was really a customer driven product. They loved the new uh, scores and attributes we could use to help them build better decision models for fraud. But every time we would give them a glimpse of what their customer behavior was, we noticed that the customer would literally get up out of their chair at a boardroom and go toward the screen because they have been trying to understand why is it that I'm putting a thousand people to the top of my funnel every day and only to have you know 10% go through why are 90% ending up in fraud frustration or failure and these session level behaviors are helping them see exactly where not just the page or the event but actually the session where is the the friction happening and then what are the underlying behaviors that are causing it so why and when you get down to the level of understanding why something's happening that gives them all the data they need to to make data driven changes to their to their form to their application and then the cool part with our friction index is it it goes on and it continually monitors that friction across both mobile and cursor devices so CEOs and chief product officers and chief marketing officers don't have to wonder what their customer experience looks like or, or send a survey out. They literally can log into the friction index and see whether the consumer friction is going up or down by question, by device type. And it's really given them that last leg of visibility that they've needed to kind of get closer to these in-person interactions and, and move away from just digital transactions and start building a real digital relationship with the customer. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so then on that, I'd love to kind of get some sense of, uh, you know, the the impact of what you've done. You said, like you said, a thousand people at the top of the funnel and ten percent go through. What have, what have you seen as far as impact on uh, when someone puts in your ID? What what does the conversion rate? What can it change to? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. It's it's um, really two things, and oftentimes our ROI has a, a component of increasing your conversion and another one of, of reducing your fraud. We've seen our technology being implemented at you know $70 billion fintechs, merchant processor, payment facilitator type companies that have had a decade to build their fraud system. They have 10 or more third-party fraud vendors included. 
and literally install our technology and see the ability to eliminate 35% additional fraud. Hmm. And the cool part is they do that without impeding their conversion. So they both had a, a small bump in conversion and they were able to knock out uh, 35% of their fraud. If I take it to the, the lending use case, a lot of times lenders are, are using things like Plaid or Yodley where they're asking a customer to log into their bank account and you know the, the customer may have it may have worked really well to get the customer to the site they've selected their loan they've selected their purpose they've said yes I want to do this their scorecard says you know what this customer looks good but I'm going to ask them to log in to their bank account so that I can see if the income they stated is accurate and if they are who they say they are and while that's a very valuable fraud tool to verify identity and to verify that they have income there it's not such a good tool from a customer experience standpoint. In fact, this customer was losing 40 to 50% of their customers every time they would get to that point. Mm. So what we did is gave them a score to say, hey, here are your customers that have exhibited no anomalous behavior. They've interacted with all of their fields as they should have. You have the opportunity to fast track them around that point of verification friction that's causing you to lose 40 to 50% of your customers every day. And from an impact standpoint, what we saw is that the customers that they fast-tracked around, that bank verification login, they were able to double their conversion without increasing bad debt. So that dropped straight to the bottom line. And for them, it created a better experience. It reduced that unnecessary verification friction that they were putting on everybody and focused it on those that maybe were closer to the uh, threshold of their internal scorecard or exhibited anomalous behavior. Right, right. Yeah, that, that, that's fascinating. And I can see how there's so many applications for that as well. I, I want to ask just one follow-up though on that, just before I go on, that, you know, you say that um, like someone may be very legitimate, but they may not know their income because they just got a, a pay decrease, for example. So they might spend, yep. you know, three minutes on that field typing in multiple things and that's not fraudulent. That's just someone who just doesn't know. I mean, you got, do you have triggers that sort of set up so that that's real kind of, you know, real behavior that is just yeah. a lack of knowledge versus fraudulent? A- absolutely. It's a, it's a great nuance and it's something that our friction index uh, dashboard picks up really well. The example I'll cite is um, we had one of the lenders that was asking for annual income and the, the type of clientele that they lend to really look at their income on an hourly basis. What do I make per hour? And maybe what do I make per month? But what they saw is that there was a tremendous amount of friction there, a lot of time, as these people were literally being forced to take their their hourly wage multiplied by their weekly wage multiplied by their monthly wage to come up with a gross uh, income wage. There was a ton of time that our friction index was picking up on, a lot of edits, a lot of changes that had nothing to do with fraud or malfeasance, but rather around how they were asking the question. They took this feedback, they implemented a tooltip that moved it back to an hourly rate for their applicants to put in, and then they did the math in the background, and all of a sudden the, the friction went down, the conversion went up, and satisfaction overall went up as well. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. So then what, what, who are the kind of lenders that you're, that you're working with today? Yeah, so they, they span the gamut really from, you know, I would say 550 and above all the way up to prime lenders. 
both consumer and business. Also, a lot of uh, the top merchant processors now are using us. And with our new relationship with TransUnion, uh, they're taking us into the insurance space to kind of reinvent that digital quote and digital claim process for uh, the insurance space. Interesting. Interesting. So then I'm curious because this you say it's it's like, I know you haven't been in business a, a huge amount of time, but I mean, I'd be curious once someone is hooked, once someone has got this, uh, they got, they're running your data, they're running your, your code, I should say, how many of them just, um, what would you have, what's, what's your retention rate? Yeah, it's a great question. We, we joke around internally that once you see it, you can't unsee it. You know, once you have access to this visibility and you know that it's just one partnership away and it, and it literally spans across all your departments to facilitate that collaboration that you need to digitally transform, we have never had a customer that has installed our, our JavaScript and moved forward as a customer and, and ever left. In fact, the ones that, that on our initial contracts signed multi-year contracts now and continue to see more value as they move from maybe chief risk over to chief marketing and chief product, that these insights are valuable throughout the customer lifecycle. So even those, even those lenders that have dropped their originations dramatically, they're still, they're still keeping you on. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, they're, they're, a lot of their credit risk models blew up during the COVID pandemic, and it's going to take time for those historical glimpses into someone's credit risk, as an example. But if they can have it, if, if their customer journey is implemented with our real-time behavioral analytics, they can have a leading indicator of if there's any type of anomalous behavior, which is really what they're looking for now as they slowly build their confidence toward lending again. One of the things they want to do is not lend out a bunch of money and then find out uh, that, that that was wrong. We can give them the behaviors that are occurring in real time and help them make better decisions as they, as they recover. Right. The other thing I would point out is the lenders definitely uh, got hit hard, some harder than others, but other aspects of our customer base, we have seen massive acceleration into on the, on the payment side and the merchant acquiring side as people who maybe had physical and uh, digital properties, they were forced to push everything digital and, and we've seen account openings just spike. You've seen that at some of the, some of the major uh, merchant processors out there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so say that there's a, there's a lender listening to the show and and they're interested. What's the process? How complicated is it to sort of to put to implement your code into their system? Yeah, that's a great question. We're on our third generation of our JavaScript to ensure that it's super easy and very light. Everyone says that we actually do it. Uh, our customers can typically get us up and running in less than one development day. So it's a pretty easy trade-off for them to go from not having visibility into their real-time behaviors to, to literally lighting that up in a day. The other thing that's happened uh, in the last year that's exciting is our first customers, it took us a while to build the models for them. Now we've been able to do what we call day one value. So today when you install that JavaScript, we immediately turn on your behavioral dashboard, this friction index dashboard, and then you also start getting a stream of real-time behavioral analytics that, that uh, feed or a new source of data for your AI and ML model. So literally day one value when you, when you install it. Hmm. Interesting. So, so yeah, because I guess this is a whole nother data stream that, that, uh, that all the data scientists can pour over and create uh, yeah, create new new models from using this as a new data source, right? Absolutely. Yeah, everything we're measuring is stuff that they haven't been measuring. So 
the data scientists would say that it's orthogonal lift to their model and, and they get quite excited about that. Right, right. So, you know, as, as we're chatting here and, you know, I've been a big, a big fan of, of what you guys do, Jack. I mean, when you're in a, you know, a, a Zoom call, I guess it would be these days, when you're in like a sales call, what are the objections that people have, you know, and how, how do you respond to those? Yeah, we're, we're seeing um, that the market is rapidly adopting behavioral analytics, which is terrific, I think, for everybody. It's great for consumers. It's great for businesses. The biggest objection is just uh, development cycles, product roadmaps, you know, prioritizing this uh, integration. And even if it is lightweight, um, you know, most folks are stacked up six months to a year in their dev cycle. So it really requires um, some executive sponsorship. And so it's really our job to, to show this behavioral dashboard. And once we do that, uh, that seems to, to pave the way to, to getting us integrated and up and running quicker. Right, right. So I know you've got a whole bunch of patents that are either pending or, or, or I don't know, you tell me whether they've been approved, but, you know, because you're the only company I know doing this. I mean, it's, uh, it seems to me to be something that will be, you know, once people, you say, once people get it, it, it seems like it's going to be, this type of thing will be, will be standard at some point. Do you, are, are you protected? What's, what's, what's stopping someone from just taking yeah. You can, they can see your JavaScript um, yeah. and what's, what's stopping someone else from uh, going up against it? Against yeah, so, so we, we do have some really foundational patents in this space, uh, which are great. We use those not necessarily to go after anybody, but to protect our right to do business. So we have, have patents. There's a pretty big moat around what we do. Uh, what we found is that a lot of our customers had been collecting behavior uh, the real challenge is taking that digital body language, that behavior that's a, you know, scientifically it's considered a very noisy signal. There's a big difference between how you interact and how I interact online. Being able to baseline that, being able to surface the meaningful attributes that are, that are ones that can help you make better decisions, that's really the key. And then I think the, the breakthrough we had is to be able to do that in real time, to be able to do that, you know. And so when you think about where the real pinch point is in digital transformation today, we're still having a really tough time landing a customer. You've got one shot to get both the customer experience and the fraud signal right. And the evidence is showing that we're still struggling mightily there. We're trying to strip out all of the friction, but then when we go into the verification process, the amount of verification that we're throwing at customers that requires interaction, a document upload, a bank verification, a picture of yourself, it's so out of the norm of what we would do if we were in person that it's really turning people off and preventing that, that real transformation to happen. So we're going to continue to use these patents, develop more patents. As I said, we've got you know, four PhDs on staff and two of the brightest founders in the world. So we think we're at the very beginning of this uh, you know, kind of digital transformation being fueled by behavioral analytics. And we're going to try to plant our JavaScript everywhere we can. <laughs> Indeed, I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. So maybe, maybe we're almost out of time, but I, I want to get, I'd love to get a sense, maybe an example or two of, you know, of insights that, that, that people have done that have, you know, made, like you, you, we touched on a little bit, but I'm, I'm, what I'm talking about is everyone has their customer journey. And mm-hmm. what is it that, um, what's the theme for, improvement like what do people say what is it like yeah. is someone is everyone say oh we need to get rid of this we need to change that or is it really dependent upon 
whatever kind of lender is is doing it? Yeah, yeah, I think um, it's a great question. I think there's a collision, a reoccurring collision that's happening every day at every digital lender, and that is marketing and, and CX are trying to take all the friction out of an onboarding journey. So they're asking the customer for very little information, but then the chief risk officer is is getting very little information and kind of having to start from scratch to ask them basic fundamental questions. It'd be like if we were going down a sales process and everything was going well, and then I backed up and I said, well, first I need to ask you your name. And then are you sure, are you sure that's your name? And are you sure that's your address? It would, it would throw everything that we did. That, that collision continues to happen every day. And what we see happen once digital companies can see their customer through the eyes of their customer, like see the fact-based behaviors that have happened. We've been in rooms where they've said, I told you, you know, uh, the, the risk officer would tell the product who'd been trying to get rid of a question, I told you that question wasn't causing any friction. And that's an important question for us because they can actually see it in the behaviors. Right. And vice versa, we've seen the product or marketing teams say that question isn't worth the friction that it's causing. So for the first time, they can move away from these internal debates and these guessing and this endless A-B testing to a data-driven approach that says, here is what happened descriptively in the customer journey. And then they're really good at, at making calls there now that they're not operating blind. Right, right. It goes from a from a subjective decision to an objective decision because you've got the Absolutely. data. Absolutely. Yeah, yep. right. Okay, so then what's next for you guys? What are you, I mean, you said you want to conquer the world, but what in the, in like in the next 12 to 18 months, what are you guys working on? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so the company's accelerating really quickly, as you might imagine. Really great people want to work on, on this opportunity to, to bring something this exciting to the market. You've mentioned as well, it's horizontally scalable. We can take it to any vertical, any use case where there's digital interaction. So, Next steps will be to continue to, to lock down some of the biggest brands in the world across multiple verticals, but we'll also be trying to democratize the technology and take it out so that everybody can use this technology, not just the largest corporations in the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, um, good luck, Jack. I, I, I think it's, it's fascinating what you guys have done and it's a real service to the industry, I think. So thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much, Peter. Appreciate it. Okay, see ya. All right, take care. As I said, I am big fans of what NeurID is offering. I think it's something that uh, the industry needs and I think every industry needs if you're operating online. And the one thing that I, I was really you just wanted to highlight that they've got a 100% retention rate since they started because I think once, once you see this and you, you go through a demo and you really see the insight, once you see you, you've got access to this real-time data and you get to see how much real-time fraud is being detected that wasn't detected before. I think that's uh, that just shows you that people people aren't willing to fly blind. And uh, I think it's a testament to what they've done. And I think, as I said, I think this is going to be standard standard offering online within certainly within, certainly within five five years and possibly a lot sooner. That it's just something that. Uh, you know, you need to know everything you possibly can know about the the person on the other end of the screen who's interacting with you with your website so or your app. So it's really a, a something that I, I'm, as I said, I'm very bullish on the on the whole idea. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening, and I'll catch you next time. Bye. 
Today's episode was sponsored by Lendit Fintech USA. The world's largest fintech event dedicated to lending and digital banking is going virtual. It's happening online September 29 through October 1st. This year, with everything that's been going on, there will be so much to talk about. It will likely be our most important show ever. So join the fintech community online this year, where you will meet the people who matter, learn from the experts, and get business done. Lendit Fintech, lending and banking connected. Sign up today at lendit.com slash USA.